Welcome to Turning the Page, Lexington Public Library's podcast where we discuss library happenings, take a behind-the-scenes look at different parts of the library, and of course, book recommendations and author interviews. I'm your host, Jennifer. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Our guest today on Turning the Page is Danny Quintos. Danny Quintos is a Kentuckian, a mom, a knitter, and an Appalachian poet. She's the author of Python, a chapbook featuring photography by her sister, Shelly Quintos. She received her BA from the Evergreen State College and her MFA in poetry from Indiana University. Her work has appeared in Poetry, Cream City, Welcome to Turning the Page, Lexington Public Library's podcast where we discuss library happenings, take a behind-the-scenes look at different parts of the library, and of course, book recommendations and author interviews. I'm your host, Jennifer. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Our guest today on Turning the Page is Danny Quintos. Danny Quintos is a Kentuckian, a mom, a knitter, and an Appalachian poet. She's the author of Python, a chapbook featuring photography by her sister, Shelly Quintos. She received her BA from the Evergreen State College and her MFA in poetry from Indiana University. Her work has appeared in Poetry, Cream City Review, Best New Poets, Cincinnati Review, Salon, and elsewhere. Her knitting has appeared on the shoulders of many poets, writers, and artists who are also her friends and teachers. Quintos lives in Lexington with her kid and farmer spouse and their little dog, too. She teaches in the Humanities Division at Bluegrass Community and Technical College. Welcome to Turning the Page. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Danny Quintos. I am a poet. My debut poetry collection, Two Brown Dots, just came out earlier this year, uh, April 2022. And let's see, I'm a mom, I'm a member of the Afro-Latin Poets, and I'm a Kentuckian. That's fantastic. Well, welcome to Turning the Page. And you also used to work for the library. Yes, for over, I think, almost two years I worked for the library. Yes. And I, I love the library. Brief, yes, <laughs> and I got to briefly meet you. Before you left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were on your way out, and I was just kind of here at Eastside. So I'm going to have a couple questions for you, and we can just kind of chat. So my first question to you is actually, when did you start writing, and what sparked your love of poetry? Um, I think it's hard to really pinpoint when I started writing, because I've always been a writer and a, a big reader. As a kid, I used to like make my own books and tell stories. And my parents read to me a lot. So important. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, my mom, I remember she had me memorize a poem in the back of Alice in Wonderland when I was a kid. And so, you know, having having that kind of cadence in my oh, head. And, yeah, that would see that. Yeah. Like the Jabberwocky or yeah. something like that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the poem, but it's like at the very back of Alice in Wonderland. I think it begins with a boat beneath a sunny sky. So that's like the first line. I, I was a, I'm a, I love Alice in Wonderland as a kid. So like, I think I remember it. And I also read a lot of um, Shel Silverstein poems as a kid. Oh yeah. And I just got A Light in the Attic and Where the Sidewalk Ends for my kid. And so we've been reading through those and they're so silly, but they teach you a lot about like r- rhyme and rhythm and cadence and yeah, I a could, lot of the basics of poetry. I think that's a great place to start with children. I mean, I really do think they work. Yeah. Still work. And a lot of children's books are written in rhyme and are, are basically poems with pictures. Yeah, and basically. I don't think yeah. I knew that as a kid because no. <laughs> they tricked us into that. Yeah. Idea. 
And so I think I, I started writing poetry in elementary school. I wrote some really terrible poems that my second and third grade teacher was really excited about. And then, you know, some terrible like emo middle school poems for sure about like, you know, rage and like sadness and right. that kind of stuff. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone love me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I uh, I went to SCAPA at Lafayette. I started in 10th grade and that's where I think I really started to take it more seriously and learn more about beyond Shel Silverstein and and like kind of children's poems. So let's talk about your poems. Let's talk a little bit about your writing process and what is what is your focus when working on a poem? I it's hard to really say. I don't I don't think I like focus on a theme when I'm writing necessarily. I think the poems just kind of come to me. Okay. Sometimes they like strike me like lightning and I'm like, oh I gotta get this down right now or you know, if I don't have a pen and paper, if I'm like too lazy to write it down or too busy, then I lose it. You know, sometimes I'll I'll jot down like the the seed of a poem that will hopefully become something later if I can remember it. And honestly, like my process is really different now than it was when I was in grad school because I was there to write poems and I was assigned to write, you know, X number of poems every week and turn them into my teacher and they had to be read and they had to be workshopped. And that was a very different, like, generative kind of environment, like writing with a purpose, with a specific audience, with a specific assignment. And now it's just like, if a poem decides to descend upon me, I will be so lucky to catch it. Right. (laughs) That's like, I can see that being a little more structured where you do have to do that. So you don't have sort of the freedom I mean, you know, you're learning the learning process, but the the outside of of poetry of of just being it your own freedom of how you have well, how you can do it is is kind of different when you're not in university or even just in school, I guess. How did you start writing about girlhood, and how did your relationship to that subject evolve as you were writing? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think I think I probably started writing about girlhood when I was in my girlhood. <laughs> Just, you know, like poems about myself or my my family or my experience. But when I was in grad school, I I was very influenced by the people who were in my cohort and people I was in, in workshop and class with. And they're a lot of my like very close friends and peers were also kind of writing in this uh, like awkward teen space. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of exploring these stories that happen in tweenhood and in teenhood. And when I started to write those poems, I think that's when I got more recognition from like my my teachers and my mentors, like, this is it. This is these are the poems that you should keep writing towards. Like some guidance that kind of made you realize you were sort of on the right point. Yeah, because I was experimenting a lot and I had all these different kinds <laughs> I of could poems. See that, yeah. yeah. And then like my my thesis director was like that that one poem like that's that's the one like that's the that's the voice that I want you to keep writing towards. It's pretty amazing that you found it because I think a lot of people write for a long time and not find it. You know, I mean, because you can read a read maybe just an author and you're like they're good but they haven't hit the niche yet and then all of a sudden you read something by them and you're like okay wow this is really great this is what they were trying to get at at the beginning i think also being like surrounded by so many writers and reading so much you kind of are trying to figure out like 
what do what does the workshop want from me? Oh like, yeah, like you know, you you kind of have to decide. Like, am I writing to please my peers, or am I writing like in the voice that like suits me? That's my own authentic voice. And I think like in in playing and experimenting, I was kind of doing a little of this and a little of that and influenced by my peers. But but ultimately, the poems that that made it to this book and that felt like me were the poems that like were in the same voice I was writing in before I even went there. Is there anything else that influences you as you write? Yeah. So family, I think more expansively like heritage too, like my my roots as a, a Filipino American because my, my dad and my grandmother emigrated here in the mid 70s. And I've been back to the Philippines three times, but I didn't like ever really live there. I've just visited. And so a lot of my understanding of Philippine identity is through them. And so kind of figuring that out, like through the stories that they tell me, and then also additional research, like researching Imelda Marcos, reading a bunch of Philippine folk tales, those things have really influenced this, like this collection a lot. Um, And then my second section of the book is motherhood. And that also is another big theme. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a really important theme in your life. (laughs) Reading your book, Two Brown Dots, your poetry takes on different forms. How do you decide what form a particular poem is going to take? My my short answer is like sometimes the the form chooses the, the poem. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good. In revision, I think that's where it really happens. I don't often draft directly in form. I kind of have put things on the page and let them be messy, and then as I'm revising, I kind of see if you know should these be in tercets, should these be in couplets, or is this like a a more like received form, like a, a huzzle or a you know, haiku or something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And sometimes as I'm drafting, like I might see a pattern and like with my poem, uh, Hustle for Dog Eaters, I sort of saw this word that was reoccurring and it made me think about that form and how uh, each couplet ends with the same word. And so it's sort of like a foot or like a, an anchor to each couplet. Like it's, it's all going to land on that same word, even though like the lines don't rhyme, they all are kind of anchored by the same kind of theme. I noticed that. And I saw, I noticed you, you have a list. That's why I really enjoyed your book. It wasn't just the same just by visual, visually looking at it. I mean, because I think poetry is so word heavy, it's all that. But then as a reader, when you see that it looks different and how you form it on the page, I think it's another part of expression of what you're sharing with us as the reader. So I really enjoyed that part of your book. So on your website, you state that you're a poet, educator, and a knitter. When did you start knitting? I learned to knit when I was about 11. Yeah. My dad's uh, girlfriend at the time taught me how she's uh, British, and she taught me the English way to knit. And she's also a a lefty, and so it was really nice to learn from another lefty because I'm left-handed. Oh, wow. So you're like, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so you, are you still actively knitting? Yes. The, I was what I'm wearing you, today, I definitely knitted it. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. It's beautiful. Thank you. I wish... Our listeners could see. It's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, I'm always knitting. And it also like kind of helps me focus and like calms my anxiety. It's very beautiful. Thanks. So every 
interview I have with someone, I always ask the question, what are you reading? Yes. I just finished reading Jasmine Sauer's The Anchored World, which is like retold fairy tales and folk tales and flash fiction. And it's a very tiny book. Um, like it's not very long, but it's, it's a very fast read. And as I was reading it, I was like, are some of these flash fiction, are they secretly poems? You know? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> the line is kind of blurred. Like, is this a prose poem? Is this flash fiction? Um, and I'm reading Roskay's new essay collection, Inciting Joy. Oh, yes. I want to read that. Yeah. it the I am loving it so much. Um, he was my thesis director, so it feels really like I'm, I'm hanging out with him when, oh, I, when wow, I read it. Oh, wow. That's even better. And the second the second essay in there, I was reading it before bed and just like, okay, now I, I'm crying and now I have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So is there other writers that inspire you as like other poets or that have inspired you throughout your journey of poetry yeah how long do you have (laughs) (laughs) you can give me like a short like condensed list I don't know if I can (laughs) condense them I mean there are like the the poets who are my teachers that have inspired me um like Ellen Hagen Mitchell Douglas Kelly Norman Ellis Nikki Finney Crystal Wilkinson Frank X. Walker, like the the Kentucky poets who kind of raised some me. Great, some great names. Yeah. There. Um, and then uh, the poets that I love to teach that I've never met, like um, Lucille Clifton and I. And gosh, I'm like, there's so many. Um, and, and I'm going to blank now. That's okay. <laughs> uh, there's Amy, so many wonderful people. Yeah. Amy Nizuka Matatal, who wrote the foreword for my book. She's an incredible poet. Um, Lee Young Lee. Yeah. The reason why I ask, because I, I think for me, I've, I've read poetry now for a number of years, I dabbled in writing poetry, but it's, you know, dabbled. But I really enjoy that. I really enjoy it. And so whenever I talk to other people, they're like, oh, I, you know, I like poetry too. And then I'm like, well, I like this. So who else is out there? I'm always on the quest of like finding someone. And I think this is part of the reason why I was so interested in having poets on my podcast, because it's so important it feels like it's understanding someone so much better than maybe reading their, like maybe a novel or something like that. I feel like we really get to know you or what you want us to know about you as a, as a reader. So I just think that's wonderful. So I think you're wonderful. I really enjoyed both of your <laughs> books. Uh, this. Yeah, that one's an oldie. <laughs> it was in 2017. 2017. Yeah. I thought, did your sister? My sister did the photography. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, shout out to your sister. <laughs> the library actually had both of your, we do have your uh, your book for checkout, but this was actually in the reference. So can't find Python, I don't think. Yeah, I go to the shelves. Kentucky room. You'd have to go to the Kentucky room <laughs> and ask. So thank you, Danny, so much for yeah. coming on the podcast. I've so wanted you to be on for a while. We finally did it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you. I'd like to give a shout out to Brian Clossing, who was our engineer today because our sweet Aaron was not here today. So get well, Aaron. And thank you so much, Danny. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Aaron, the producer for Turning the Page. Welcome to our segment called Behind the Scenes. Each month, I'll take a step out from behind the scenes to introduce you to someone else at the library whose work is also typically out of the public eye. Today on Behind the Scenes, we have Jenny Sammons, teen librarian at Northside Branch, and Mary Landrum, children's librarian at Village Branch, to talk about LPL After School, the library's redesigned program for children to get homework help, snacks, and have other activities after school. Welcome, Mary and Jenny. Thank you for joining me today for Behind the Scenes. Jenny, can you tell us about LPL After School? Yeah, sure thing. LPL After School 
is a drop-in program for elementary and middle school students that we are hosting at both of our north side and village branches. The program is Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Students can come get a snack. They can come get help with homework. They can enjoy some fun STEAM activities and just hang out with friends. Great. So, Mary, Homework Help has been a staple program at the Village Branch for years and years. What went into the redesign of this service? Well, like you said, before the pandemic, we were offering Homework Help for years. We had children coming in with a specific assignment asking, can you help me with this? Once things started reopening after COVID, we simply weren't seeing that kids just weren't bringing us homework. I I don't know why. I don't have all the answers to that. So but we recognized there were a lot of needs we could still fill. Children desperately needed some social and emotional learning as well as academic support. I've talked to teachers who have said their kids are still learning how to interact with each other. And we knew that Food insecurity levels had gotten even higher because of the upheaval from the pandemic. So we continued our partnership with God's Pantry. We were really grateful that we were able to keep offering a snack to the kids because God's Pantry was seeing a much greater demand for their services than they had been before. So we looked at what the kids needed. They still needed a snack. They still needed social and emotional learning. And some of them did need academic support. So we decided to take an enrichment approach. Let's offer volunteers who can read with the kids and work on their reading skills in a more informal setting. Let's offer board games, STEM activities, where the kids are having a meaningful opportunity, a meaningful engagement with an adult who cares about them, improving their social skills, and probably building some skills that will help them in the classroom. Great. So either of you, can you describe some of the STEAM and enrichment activities that you have planned? Yeah, well, here at Northside, we have all sorts of educational games that students can play, Um, math games for grades K through 5, language learning games. We also have some special programs coming to Northside, enrichment activities. We have a local videographer that will come help students learn how to use our digital studio and make their own videos and edit them. And we've got art activities. We've got some fun spin art activities and spirographs, drawings. Awesome. And how can someone volunteer to help out? You mentioned volunteers. Well, for volunteers, you can visit our website, lexpublib.org slash volunteer. You can also find that by looking at the About tab on our homepage, and you would find some information about the program and fill out an online application. And if you would just like to walk into one of our locations and ask staff, hey, I'd like to volunteer for LPL after school, we'll be happy to help you get that started. Wonderful. And we always ask this question of all of our interviewees. What are you reading? Well, I'm currently reading Fen by Daisy Johnson. It's short fiction. She's one of my favorite fiction authors right now. And currently listening to The Hilarious World of Depression. John, I honestly cannot remember that author's name at the moment, but enjoying them both thoroughly. Well, I am reading Sad Cypress by Agatha Christie. It's part of a Read Christie 2023 challenge that her estate is doing. Love a good mystery. And I am listening to Prince Harry's memoir. And is it as dramatic as (laughs) advertised? Well, I've only begun because it just came out yesterday as we're recording this. But yes, there's a lot of drama there. He is spilling the tea. Excellent. Well, thank you both so much for taking time out of your day to meet with me on this new program. Thank you, Erin. Please enjoy our reading, 
from Danny from her book, Two Brown Dots. All right. Whenever you're ready. Scary Spice. She was in my fourth grade class, shy and curly-headed, her face red with crying that first day, her mom steering her shoulders to the coat closet. Her seat was next to mine, our names laminated and taped down. I asked which Spice Girl she would be. I always wanted to be Ginger, but got bullied into being scary, since I was the only brown girl playing. At recess, she started telling stories about how much she was from Kentucky, unlike me. Great-great-grandparents, all buried in this town, and where were mine? My family was friends with Henry Clay loud enough for everyone on the bus to hear after a field trip to Ashland Estate. We'd seen hairsprayed raspberry pastries in the kitchen, set up to look like the clays were on their way downstairs. The smokehouse, the slaves' quarters, the elaborate garden, a wall of hedges. My grandpa played on the UK basketball team coached by Adolph Rupp, she bragged in the car as we passed Rupp Arena. I didn't have brags like this, didn't even know my dad's dad's name. All I knew that got passed down was from the summer we flew to the Philippines when I was six. My Lola showed me how to kill a chicken with a hatchet, knocking the blade against its wound in slow taps, how we let the neck bleed into rice. Thanks for listening to Turning the Page, a podcast brought to you